0: What is hell? Today on the show I have on a special guest. His name is Michael Jones. You probably know him from the YouTube channel Inspiring Philosophy. Michael's goal at Inspiring Philosophy is to create the world's largest video library for apologetics. So if you've ever had a question about God, Jesus, the Bible, Michael's goal is to put it into a a video format and give you a detailed answer, and he does an amazing job over there. If you've never uh, checked out Inspiring Philosophy, please go over there, become a subscriber, like those videos, share them all over the place, because they are awesome. And if you can, uh, become a patron supporter of Michael. He's trying to go full-time right now. I, myself, am a patron supporter, so uh, you should uh, as well. If you think that looks like part-time work over there, you're crazy. Imagine what this man could do if he was full-time. So please uh, consider doing that for as little as a dollar a month. If you enjoy the episode, be sure to like the video, subscribe, leave us a review on the podcast if you're listening, and of course, if you want to watch the bonus segment, Fight More Minutes with Michael Jones of Inspiring Philosophy, be sure to follow the Patreon link in the description below and become a supporter of Help Me Believe. Thanks so much for joining us, guys, and enjoy the episode. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Help Me Believe, the show about Christian apologetics and theology. My name is Hayden Clark, and I am beyond excited to introduce my special guest to you. You know him from Inspiring Philosophy. He's going around YouTube, putting the fear of God into the atheist debaters. His name is Michael Jones. How are you, sir?
1: Good. How you doing? Thanks um, for having me.
0: Hey, I really appreciate you coming on. I'm sure you got a busy schedule. Uh, so, yeah, I, I am super excited to have you on um, I would find it hard to believe that nobody in my audience doesn't know who you are, but if they don't, uh, uh, if you don't mind giving us a, a brief introduction.
1: Yeah, I, I run Inspiring Philosophy Ministries. It's a, uh, We have run basically a YouTube channel where we create videos trying to answer every apologetic question out there in a video form.
0: And he does an excellent job. If you've never been over there, I'm going to leave a link in the description below. It's uh, mind-blowing how thorough Michael is with his videos and uh, how effective his ministry actually is he's trying to go full-time right now i personally am a patron supporter and so you got my stamp of approval and you should definitely i'll leave a link to his patron uh, patreon uh, page in the description as well and you can go over there for as little as a dollar a month guys and uh, let me just give you and i hope michael doesn't mind me doing this it's public information but uh, let me just give you a reason to do so, and honestly, I think that's still the deal for me wanting to become a patron supporter of Michael. This is, uh, the other day, I did something that you should never do on YouTube, which is read the comment sections. But for any atheists out there thinking about uh, jumping in the comment section, I just want you to know that I live for that, so please comment. I'm just kidding. But anyway, this I found in the, uh, one of Michael's comment sections. It was from his video that he did on the evidence for the resurrection. And uh, this is uh, an atheist commenting saying, Holy crap i think this video just made me an atheist of seven years who left religion believe in christianity i'll be doing more research but so far the evidence is damning in my opinion and then i even kept scrolling because i'm crazy and i found the same person comment a second time at a later date i can't tell the difference between the time here but his second comment or her second comment says mr game so i'm guessing his comment says i just thought you might like to know i am fully a christian now I can't help but thank you for helping me on my journey to regain my faith. You do wonderful work on an internet dominated by atheists. God bless you. Man, that about makes me want to choke up. I don't know about you, Michael, but that's incredible, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's it's really good to know that all the work that goes into the videos actually pays off eventually. So, yeah, there. I've got a couple of comments like that, you know, usually about one a month, something like that.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. Um, you know, getting into this apologetic stuff, sometimes it feels like, you know, you wonder if it's actually making a difference. And, you know, for me, even if it, you know, people say as long as one person, it helps one person, then it's more than worth it. And, of course, that's true. Uh, but for me, sometimes I just wonder, you know, is, am I even helping one person? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, all, it's, it's great to hear that and... and again to the audience I can't stress enough this is very it's a very important work and that just goes to show how important it is so go support Michael at least subscribe and, and share his videos and things like that but if you can become a patron for a dollar a month now how in the world do you study so much because I watch these videos of yours and they are so thorough and I'm just wondering what do you are you reading all day long what are you doing? Oh
1: <laughs> no not all day long I have to edit videos yeah uh, so no uh, I do read a lot, though, and yeah. I encourage other Christians to read a lot. Sure. I, I'm able to read now more than more now that I'm part-time, which does help, but I mean, like, I always tell Christians a basic, just mathematical formula when it comes to that. If you just read 10 pages a day yeah. in one year, you'd read 3,650 pages. I try to read about 30 to 40 pages a day.
0: Yeah.
1: So, I mean, I'm reading about 10,000 pages a year, and I've been doing this for a couple years now. So, I mean, you know, it builds up over time. Uh, sometimes I will read 50 pages a day. Sometimes I've read entire books in one day. I remember I when I read um, Jay-Z Smith's book, uh, uh, Divine Drudgery. I read that in one day. Uh, so, I mean, it you know, it depends. But I encourage Christians to just try to read a little bit every day. And if you do that, you you know, in a couple of years you'll have a wealth of knowledge you didn't realize you were capable of having.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think, I at least in my own personal experience, it kind of grows – uh your your desire to keep reading and reading more will just grow exponentially so that now like I'm on a schedule now which is something I don't do but like i in the mornings i read this much about the resurrection and new testament studies and then at uh, later on it during the day i read this much about uh, kind of like philosophical arguments for the existence of god and i've just kind of got it categorized like those are the two biggest things if i can argue for god and for the resurrection i'll be good to go and so i've kind of uh I don't know what you want to call that. That's how I've scheduled my reading. But come up with some sort of, I mean, anything is better than nothing. So just get started. And, uh, of course, you know, you can go over to Inspiring Philosophy and look in the, the descriptions for some links to some good books. So you can definitely do that. Uh, I brought Michael on to talk about something that uh, he recently made a very, uh, or I don't know if it was recently or not, but he made a video that was very um, thorough on the subject of hell. And so uh, we are here to talk about what in the hell is hell. And so that's what I brought Michael on to talk about. So, uh, Michael, what what is hell?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, that's a very uh, complicated question that needs to be unpacked in uh, several different points. And this is what I do in the video. Uh, when we think about hell, a lot of people will think, a fiery pit, some sort of furnace that people are sort of thrown into, and they're being tortured by fire for eternity. Uh, I would say that's a caricature of what hell really is. Uh, The Bible talks about fire and hell, but I'm pretty sure, and the majority of theologians I've read would agree, that's meant to be metaphor. There's not really, literally fire and hell that could power a steam engine. Sure. I mean that wouldn't make sense because it's where souls go not physical bodies. And if it was some sort of physical fire once the body burns up, I mean what is it going to just keep regrowing? I mean that's it gets a little convoluted. Yeah, can
0: that. fire hurt a soul? I don't know. It's just kind of like how many angels can dance on a ballpoint ball, ballpoint pen, I don't know.
1: <laughs> right. So I mean even very conservative scholars like, you know, Jerry Walls or Wayne Grudem. will note the fire in hell is probably metaphorical. But it's metaphorical for something far more important and can be far more damaging. Uh, So I I argue, and as other theologians argue, is that what hell is is connected with what sin is. Hmm. So we can't really ask what hell is until we first understand what sin is because hell is a consequence of sin. Now people think, oh, well, you sin, you get thrown into hell. Well, not really. Sin is more like – hell is more like a direct consequence of sin instead of – it being an indirect consequence. Sure.
0: So, what is sin? How, how should we understand sin if it's going to inform how we think of hell?
1: Well, the Bible says sin is trans the transgressing God's law. Sure. Now, that also needs unpack because it's a little bit more complicated than that. Yeah. Because read someone like the prophet Malachi, for example. Malachi talks about how these priests are, or the Israelites are doing rituals, but they don't have a clean heart, so they're just going through the the motions. Well, I think that relates to a lot of what is taught in the Gospels, where Jesus says the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Okay, one of the big things that's kind of taught in Malachi, Amos, all the prophets, and the Gospel authors as well, is that sin really is not loving God. It's building your identity on something else besides God. You can go through the motions, you can obey the full law of God, but if you don't obey the greatest commandment. If you don't love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, the rest of it is meaningless. And so this was Jesus's charge against the Pharisees. Sure, you're going through the motions, but you have forsaken the greatest commandment of all. You're you're hypocrites. You don't really love the Lord your God. You love yourselves, and you're trying to use the law to get rewards or to get special favor. So this is what's kind of taught or heavily implied in the Gospels is that you have to love God. And if you don't love God, you're not – what you're doing is you're building your identity on yourself, your own pride, and you can use the law to get things you want. So sin is really sort of rejecting God in that sense. It's rejecting his law in its entirety, which is of course, the main law loving God and loving your neighbor. Okay. So, now, right, Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Now, if that's what sin is and it relates to hell, we can sort of see where hell starts to come in. Yeah. Because when you reject God with that and you start to focus on your internal pride, your internal self, what rewards you want to get, what you can build for yourself, that's what starts a spiritual fire in you that will need to be put out eventually or it will consume.
0: Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you could find in the uh, scriptures that would hint that this fire is supposed to be understood as uh, um, uh, this internal thing that you're describing? Other than just like you were talking about well, – I, mean, I mean other than just using reasoning to say, well, it's not real fire because it's not going to burn a soul. That I mean that makes perfect sense, and I'm fine with it. But was there anything uh, exegetically that might make you think that?
1: Well, I mean there are two places I can go to. Sure. Okay, so first – I mean the one of the, the main passage I rely on is the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Uh, and in this passage, he says he's in anguish in this fire. Uh, so, for example, uh, Daryl Bach in his extensive commentary on Luke will note that what's the actual Greek language here denotes more like mental anguish.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, we also should, you know, di- dissect this parable a little bit. People that are literally on fire cannot have a conversation like yeah, bitch, yeah, man.
0: yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> you know, he's like he's he's offering counterpoints and rebuttals, and he's understanding their argument. People he's don't reason good. very well when they're on fire. Yeah. Right, you would be—he would be screaming. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he would not be able to make any arguments. Another good verse is Second Thessalonians one nine. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction, away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might. One of the, now, th- I bring up this verse for one reason. One of the ways God punishes throughout the Bible is either death or exile. Yeah. So this is what this verse is sort of getting to. They're exiled away from the presence. So God is not the one there torturing them because they're outside of his presence. Right. Their punishment is their eternal destruction of, you know, it doesn't really it say, but other places in scripture would imply, it's their own fire that's slowly destroying them because it can't be God that he's a, they're away from his presence. Okay. So I think one of the things that's hinted throughout scripture, the same other places like Revelations and whatnot, is that they're doing it to themselves. Yeah. So that's why I connected to sin because sin is when you build your identity on something else besides God. And if that goes on forever, that will slowly destroy you. It will slowly eat you up. It will slowly get worse over time. Mm-hmm. And that's what hell is, technically. Yeah. I mean, are we just – are we
0: psychologizing this, or is there actually going to be an ontological existing place
1: called hell? Well, sure. I think there will be a place. But I don't think – I think it's like, you know, it's – as Paul says in Second Thessalonians, it's, it's, out, it's outside of the presence of the God. Of God. But these people go there because they want to go there. Yeah. I mean, as you know, Dan Barker said in a debate one time that if God exists, He would tell him to go to hell because he doesn't want to be around God. This is what uh, yeah. Yeah. Christopher Hitchens said: is that I don't want to be in a celestial North Korea praising the dear leader every day. Yeah. Okay, well, he would if he if he when he died and he woke up, he would have just wanted to be outside of the presence of God. So now these people leave the presence of God, and what happens to them? Well, if you think of someone like a drug addict as an analogy. The first time they get high, you know they're not addicted. It feels great, it's, it's wonderful. The second time they get high, it's not so great. The third time they're starting to get addicted and it's not as great and they need more of the drug now to get the same feeling of high. If that goes on forever, it won't be long before there's nothing of them left. There's no joy left in what they've built their identity on. If you build your identity on your own ego, for example, you need to keep doing more better things to sort of build up your own ego and you over time you need the high of feeling your own ego gets less and less even though the more you might be doing to try to build it up okay. so that's what hell is hell is this sin inside of all of us this idea to want to be our own gods to be our own masters that goes on forever and it slowly disintegrates us slowly destroys us much like the same way a drug, what happens to a drug addict
0: you know, whenever I was watching your video on this and, and just hearing you talk about it now, um, it, it really kind of sounds like that you're saying hell is really kind of a, a natural uh, human consequence of uh, sinning. Like uh, this is just kind of the natural consequence of not following God is going to be that just naturally tends toward hell and so i was just thinking this sounds very uh kind of aristotelian in that human beings have an objective end or good uh namely to follow god or to be in relationship with god uh but they also have the freedom of the will to aim at whatever they please you don't have to aim at following god if you don't want to and if you aim at anything less than god uh you will end up in your own personal hell does that sound right
1: right and a lot of theologians have talked about sin is kind of more or less defined in the, in the bible as missing the mark yeah perfect so yeah. you're you're missing the mark when you sin you're not and your your aim should be god but if you sin you may be aiming for yourself you're missing the mark It's generally what sin means so yeah that's exactly right and you know of course thomas aquinas uh, argued for similar ideas because he was building on a lot of the ideas he saw in scripture that hell is just no it naturally results if you were left alone without God long enough, yeah. it's torturous. It's horrible. You'll slowly hate yourself. You'll hate everyone around you. It'll you'll be it will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. But that's not from fire being inflicted upon them. That's their own fire inside of them that's slowly destroying them. Whereas the God of Love has been trying to call them out of that.
0: Yeah. So yeah, yeah. This whole you know why would God send people to hell? Then just kind of goes away.
1: Yeah, it's it's not a, as C.S. Lewis says. It's not a question if God will send people to hell. In every one of us, there is something growing up which will be hell, unless it's nipped in the bud. Hmm.
0: So I'm just trying to picture the afterlife now with this kind of uh, uh, thinking, because I'm I don't know. I'm just still finding it hard to think of there being. This being the definition of hell, which sounds more like a psychological state or or something like that, and there also being a, a place called hell. I don't know why I'm having trouble wrapping my mind around
1: that. Well Is it I think are they you should think of it I yeah. think you should think of it perhaps like maybe a drug addict in prison. Yeah. So I mean you could be happy and be in prison. There mm-hmm. there's there's no indication that someone cannot be happy and be in prison. But if someone's like a drug addict in prison, well they would be miserable. So sure, there's a place. But the place does not determine what's going to cause them misery. It's something inside of them that will. So I I remember J.P. Moreland sort of saying, like, it's almost like God is quarantining these people. So he puts them in a place because they don't want to be with God. Uh, And so they're sort of quarantined so they can't, you know, attack the saints or anything. But the the fire in hell that's burning there is not of the making of God. It's of the making of people rejecting God. Right, okay.
0: So I see – okay, so this – I'm just trying to conceptualize it for myself. And what makes sense to me, at least from what I'm hearing you say, is God is ultimately going to give you what you want. And if Mm -hmm. you – and if there are people who want to uh, live for eternity apart from him, well, then he kind of has to create a place for them to go apart from him.
1: Right. If that's – I mean if
0: he's going to oblige them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the the interesting thing is that in Christianity, in the end, everyone gets what they want except for God. God wants all – that want that wants that none should perish. Yeah. But he lets humans, every human gets what they want in the end. You either want God or you don't want God. Yeah. If you don't want God, okay, guess what? You have the right to go out and build your own kingdom somewhere out in the outer darkness or outside of the presence of God. Now he's warning you it's gonna be horrible and miserable and you're gonna hate every minute of it. Right. But you have that right to go do it anyway. And if you don't trust God anyway, why does it matter? Yeah. Some atheists have said, Well, I want God to destroy me, and I'm like, Well, God's not your magical butler you got to figure that out. If you don't want to exist after this life, figure out how to destroy your your own soul. That's not God's job. He's not your butler. Yeah. If you don't want to trust him and put your faith in him, go out and do it yourself.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting way to think about it. I haven't thought about it in those terms. Uh, let's see. So what about um, – one thing that comes up in this discussion often is uh, what – I'm trying to think of how to phrase it. What about uh, people who never hear the the gospel? I remember this being brought up in the video that uh, you made, and I've heard you talk about it before. But, um, oh, I remember what I was actually going to ask, but we can go ahead and go this route. What about people who never hear the gospel? What? Do, uh, yeah, go ahead.
1: This is a good, good argument. I mean, of course, Abraham never heard of the gospel. He just, did, you know, because he existed before Christ. But that doesn't mean he's in hell. So Jesus sort of hints to this in John 9.41 and John 15.22, where he says, If I had not come, they would not be guilty, but now that I have come, they have no excuse. And he's talking about the Pharisees. So that implies right then and there that people are not sent to hell for lack of information because they had not known, so they're not guilty. So that needs to be taken into consideration. Now, if God is omniscient, he knows the hearts of every person, and he knows who will truly accept him and who will truly not. So I think God is, if he is a just God, he is going to be fair to these people. Uh, He's not going to send them to hell just because they had a lack of information. Everyone has to choose if they want to build their identity on God or not on God. Now, if God is love, if God truly is the good, I mean, people who have not heard of Christ can still have a sense of this, and they could uh, choose how to aim their life. Because, again, sin is missing the mark if they're just aiming to sort of feed their own selfish desires and their own pleasures of the flesh, well, then they're missing the mark. Uh, They're missing what all humans intuitively know what we ought to do, and this goes back to the argument over moral realism and whatnot. But so let's keep that in mind. I also don't think that once you die, it's the end of all, you know, there's no ending after that. People can still choose to want to follow God or not. Just like in this life, as some theologians have talked about, heaven has already begun for the believer, and hell has already begun for the hell has already begun for the unbeliever. Sure. It's not something that is like you know a paradise that we you know get to you know check into. We yeah. have already checked into it when right. we checked in
0: Christ. That's okay. Oh, I want to camp there for a second. I'm sorry to interrupt, <clears throat> but I think it's important because this language is very explicit in in, in the scripture. The kingdom is here. And it, and it, and it like, is not at the same time, and I, I'm sure uh, anybody that's at least ever been in a Baptist church has heard this language a, a lot, the kingdom being already here and not yet at the same time. But so is hell. Uh, I'm trying to think of, uh, I, I don't know, am I, am I allowed to bring stuff up on my screen whenever I'm yeah. on Skype? It won't, like, kick me off. I'm not very technologically... Uh, Should be able to share. I was the just, screen, yeah. oh, I'm not, I wasn't trying to share. I was just wondering if I even pulled something up. That's how much I don't know about this stuff. But I think I got it memorized. There's a scripture in uh, I think it's in uh, John John three or something where it says um, you know um, if if uh, you were, um, if you have rejected the gospel if you've rejected God's love then you're in some sense you're already stand condemned. You're already condemned. Is that kind of what you're getting at?
1: Basically, yeah. Now, people could change their mind after that and then accept the gospel. That yeah. happens a lot of time. So, I would just simply say that after someone dies, it's very unlikely at that point in their life that they would change their mind. That's why people that in hell probably are going to stay there and people that in heaven are probably going to stay there as well. There's not a lot of switching going on. Now, I mean, you could also think of someone like Satan. Satan was before the presence of God and switched. Yeah. So, I don't think you can't switch sides after after death or when you're before the presence of God. I think that's another caricature version of the way people think of heaven and hell. Uh, it's not like, you know, oh, well, now that you're dead, you're stuck here forever, and people are climbing up the sides trying to get out. I, I think that's what, if God saves us in this life, if we're climbing trying to get out, if we have that sense as well, yeah. if you're thinking about that kind of analogy, I don't see why would it wouldn't be impossible after. It's probably just very unlikely because at that point the soul is probably disintegrated to the point where it wouldn't accept regardless.
0: So in that sense, there is the there is the capacity for sin in the afterlife.
1: Well, of course there is. I mean, Satan sinned in heaven. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> so of course there has to be.
0: Yeah. Okay. So how does this all figure in with the the new earth and the new heaven? How do you see this relating to uh, um, you know whatever heaven is like and that's um, and and hell is like? Is they're well, not they're not going to last forever, are they? We're coming back. Well, yeah. From- I mean.
1: Exactly, we are. N.T. Wright talks about, calls it this. It's life after life after death. So when we die, we're going to be with Christ, which we will call heaven. But that's not the end goal because we're going to be there waiting for the resurrection to begin. And when that happens, you know, that's that's kind of the point. That's kind of like God saying, Well, at this point, no one in hell is ever gonna ever want to get out, regardless of what I do. So let's let the resurrection commence. And you can sort of think of it in sort of like that kind of timeline kind of situation. And then we sort of have eternity on Earth in this universe. And my my speculation is that it, what we will do is we will we have a giant universe. I think the goal will be to turn the entire universe into Eden. I think you know people talk, about well, why is the universe so big? Well, I think you know it, you know it's, it, it, it's there waiting for us. We just haven't met reached our final goal or our final capacity yet. Yeah. So that's what I think is going to be with regards to the resurrection because that's a very important part. We're meant to be on this earth on this plane of existence We were not meant to sort of be sort of spirits floating around without bodies bodies are very essential to the Christian worldview So we will return in full glorified bodies to exist in this realm and turn the whole universe into Eden Which also means animals will be in heaven technically because who are we going to rule over in the resurrection? Are we just gonna be by ourselves? I don't think so. I think there'll be plenty of animals. Yeah,
0: what about what about Andy my beagle? Is he gonna be there? Uh, I don't know
1: (laughs) I'm just messing with you. Yeah,
0: yeah. this is all very interesting stuff. Um, and uh, what, what about this idea? Okay, so you're saying you, know, you might be able to switch sides in the afterlife. Uh, purgatory seems to be a thing that comes up. What are your thoughts on this?
1: I mean, I think if people, depending on how people define that, I'm open to the idea. I mean, even Protestant theologians like Jerry are. I don't think of it in terms of like how Dante describes purgatory. Right. I think it's more like, uh, it's sort of like the state prior to think total sanctification. yeah so when once we die, you know we're kind of you know being sanctified right now. I don't think that magically is finished the death. I think we still need to continue to be sanctified. So you can think about that kind of state as sort of like a state of purgatory. Uh, so yeah, I'm open to that idea as well. I don't think it's unbiblical. I understand where the idea comes from. And I don't understand Christians it's just outright projected without actually thinking about what it's teaching underneath the um Sort of the caricature character, character version you may hear, like Dante's uh, Dante's Divine Comedy.
0: Yeah. This is a question that people ask me, and I just honestly have no idea what to tell them. But that is 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 heaven and hell, or just the afterlife, however you want to think of it. Is this gonna? Be, is this a place that is? I mean, just calling it a place. Is is it within space and time?
1: Well, it has to be. That's what I it's think, not- but
0: that's so counterintuitive to what kind of people generally
1: think. Well, I think it's – let me clarify. I don't think it's in our universe somewhere. Right. I think it's – I mean, obviously, there's going to be space and there's going to be time there. It's right. just probably going to be a different space-time different. continuum before we – prior to the resurrection. So I think of it in terms of like that. I mean, obviously, you know, we I, – I, it's hard to really say what it will feel like or what it will be like because we've never been there. Right. But we think of it in terms of like there's going to be spatial dimensions and there's right. going to be a a, a a feeling of time passing. So, right. Sure. But it's not going. To, it's not on some planet somewhere.
0: You know? Yeah. No. I, no. Yeah. So. Well, that's cool because that's how I think of it too. I'm like. Well, I mean, just every description I read about is. Sounds like space and time. So yeah, that's mm-hmm. very interesting. Well, um, hey, th- thanks so much uh, for coming on and doing this and uh, talking about the subject of hell. Um, man, we covered like all the questions. Is there anything else you want to touch on on hell or or heaven or? Do you think people just no, need I to know? No, I want to remind or?
1: people though. I, th- I want talk about heaven really quickly. People sure. tend to have a character view, view of heaven. And I, I speak out against that. People think about heaven as sort of like this sort of like five star resort in the sky. And that's not really what it's like, because that would be hell where you're always just sort of focusing on filling your own selfish desires. When you and I die, we're going to be recruited. We have a lot of work to do. Uh, I would suggest that uh, the saints on the other side are still hoping and praying and, I'm working with the angels as well to sort of bring sanctification and salvation to the earth and whatever capacity that is. I'm not sure what it actually is because of course I've not been there, but I think there is still some of that going on. So when we die we have work to do as well. I don't think it's just simply, oh well you're done. Now you're in your retirement phase. No, it's not a it's a reward, but the reward is is more work. It's just more work closer to Christ because Christ is the reward. And when we're close to Christ, we want to be like Christ, and Christ didn't stop working. So when we're close to Christ, we're going to keep wanting to work with him to make the universe better, to make uh, the hearts and minds of all people living today better.
0: Yeah. I think – this is so weird – but I think a lot of Christians, I don't know if they really want to go to heaven because of this, this uh, mischaracterization, this caricature that you're describing. is so pervasive in the church of people thinking, we're going to go – yeah, and turn into uh, some fat little guy sitting on a cloud playing a harp and uh, mm-hmm. we're just going to sing all day long, which would be... That would honestly be hell because I can't sing very well, but I, I, don't, the, I, I really think that they're probably thinking in their head, yeah, you know what? I don't really even want to go to heaven. I don't even well, know... <laughs>
1: Well, think of it like this. When you were a kid, you may have thought about things you do now as boring. Like, why would you want to sit and talk about something like this? Oh yeah. Because kids don't like to do that. They want to watch cartoons or play Legos or whatever. So you could think, well, that sounds boring what adults do. Adults listen to NPR, <laughs> uh, drink disgusting alcohol, which is yeah. you know horrible as a kid. But when you get to the phase of an adult, you're like, well, I actually enjoy these things now because your brain, your mind has changed. The same thing will happen when we're in heaven. We'll have matured to a whole new level. The, the things we thought would be boring are actually quite wonderful there. So I think worshiping God is going to take on all new degrees that we did not expect now.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, they, they also seem to have the impression that we'll just, like, we won't be doing anything. But I, tr- I try to tell people whenever this comes up, like, you know, what we already discussed, which is, you know, the, the end goal is to get back to... It's really to go back to the beginning, you know. It's like uh, back to the future, the other way around. Like we're trying to go back, uh, to, back, to, back to Eden. Back to Eden. You know what I mean? That, like, it begins in, I mean, the Bible literally begins and ends in the garden. Uh, And so if people ask me, what's heaven going to be like? I'm like, well, you know, you could ask that. But the real, the end goal is going to be Eden. So why don't you just go study Genesis 1 through 3 before the bad part, and that's kind of what it's going to be like. Is that pretty accurate, you think?
1: I think so, yeah. I think very much it's gonna be you know one of the ideas in in Genesis 1 is he tells humanity to subdue and rule over the earth so obviously that implies humans have a job to do they need to go out and they need to tame nature and I think that's what we're going to be doing we're gonna start by turning this whole earth into Eden every every inch of it and then God's gonna be like all right get on to Mars and then when you're done (laughs) Venus is waiting and so you know we have a lot of we have a lot of terraforming to do in some sense so uh, I would suggest that our goal will be to turn the whole universe into Eden.
0: Well, that would be fun. I mean, the astronauts and all the scientists ought to love that. <laughs> I don't know why they're so against us. You know, they should be on our team. That's what we're gonna do. We're we're gonna give them eternity to do it. Right now, they don't have enough exactly. time. They don't have enough time to ever see it. But you know, exactly. So if you're an atheist, Christian, an astrophysicist, or whatever out there, you you know, there's you some um, motivation to convert right there. <laughs> But, uh, Michael, really appreciate uh, you doing this. Again, love what you're doing over at Inspiring Philosophy. Uh, again, if you're listening and uh, you want to hear the bonus segment, five more minutes uh, with uh, M- Michael Jones from Inspiring Philosophy, i got a couple more questions for him. But well, you're going to have to follow the Patreon link in the description below and become a supporter to see the bonus segment. Go ahead and fall, follow that second Patreon link in the description below and become a supporter of Michael so he can go full-time over there. And who knows what this man can do if he was full time he's only part time right now and you just go over to that YouTube channel and you tell me if that looks like part time work I don't think you will uh, come to that conclusion and you'll want to support him like I did Uh, Michael one more question before we end this segment go to the bonus segment what advice would you give to anybody out there uh, who is aspiring in apologetics who's getting into things maybe for the first time and uh, um, what advice would you give to them
1: do it but do it for the right reasons. I, I have come across apologists who said things to me in private that makes me – kind of makes me worry. They're like you know, I wish I, I don't have enough money and it kind of bothers me and I think God should you know, be giving me more money because I'm serving him. I don't do this for the money. I, I, I really don't. Uh, I did it for so many years. I mean I only started collecting ad money on my channel this past year because I just didn't care enough because that's not what my goal was. Do this because you want to do it. If you're doing it because you know you want to live off of it or you want it to be your full-time job, you don't have the right motivations. You don't have the right reasons. Do it because you love doing it. Because you want to fulfill God's kingdom. Uh, keep that in mind. I, someone was telling me, you know, like you really should try to do more marketing. You try to do this, and I was like, first of all, I don't have the time to do more marketing. Right. B. I don't like doing that kind of stuff. So I would it would feel like homework. And three, that's not my goal. I'm I'm not here to sort of make myself famous. I'm here to make videos. I kept myself hidden for so many years because I didn't want to be famous, and I still kind of don't because I'm a total introvert, but you know, I feel like this is where God is calling me, so that's why I'm doing it against my will, but do this because you love doing it, not for secondary reasons. If I can go full-time, great. If I never go full-time, I'm still going to do it because I like doing it, and I feel it needs to be done.
0: Exactly. Yeah, do it because you love it. I mean, that's why I do it. Um and it's funny that you said you were hidden for so long because that's so true. I was like – th- for the longest – I mean I've known about your channel for the longest time. I was like, I wonder what this dude even looks like. Like who's, who's talking behind this microphone? Um, but I do I, – I would just, you know, you can take it with a grain of salt. But please keep doing the debates uh, because they're – and no offense to any of your interlocutors, but it's just not even close. And <laughs> – and that's in, it's not it's not important because it's it's our goal to smash atheists rhetorically from the stage, but it's important because there's a lot of Christians who are very um, not just introverted but actually very discouraged to even bring up the fact that they're a Christian because they don't think it holds mm-hmm. any intellectual water whatsoever, and so to th- see a Christian uh, publicly uh, interlock with an atheist and not just interlock with an atheist publicly, but not even close when, uh, is very encouraging to a lot of christians it was Thank for you. me a, a long time ago whenever i was at first getting into apologetics and i would, would watch william lane craig and i think he just said that and he's right oh my gosh i can't even believe that this <laughs> is i can't believe this is real life that i don't have to be ashamed or worried or embarrassed that i believe this so, you know, I know you don't want to be famous and, and, and you don't want it to be about you. I think you're wise enough to do it the right way. So I would encourage you, please keep doing the debates and uh, showing your face out there, uh, even if you don't want to. I think God's really using it. And so, but of course, that's it's up to you, man. But um, I really appreciate you coming on. I know you got a busy schedule, so I appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast. It's been a lot of fun. Again, if you want to listen to the bonus segment, five more minutes with Michael Jones, stick around, follow the Patreon link below. Michael, thanks so much for coming on, man. I appreciate it yeah thanks for having me on hey guys thanks so much for joining us if you enjoyed the episode be sure to hit the like button subscribe leave us a review and if you want to watch the bonus segment five more minutes with Michael Jones be sure to follow the Patreon link in the description and become a supporter of the show Uh, thanks so much for joining us guys and we'll see you next time